You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hey, everyone. If you like this podcast, you should check out the full finance journey at realvision.com slash rvpod to get the full view of what Real Vision is all about. A video on-demand platform you can watch anywhere. Our members get daily videos and analysis, plus access to more than 3,000 videos for beginners and experienced investors alike, and live events online. You'll join the most thoughtful community in finance. More than 300,000 people who trust Real Vision to be the anchor to truth in the financial world. To get started, visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code PODCAST10 to get 10% off our essential membership for your first year. Enjoy the show. Are U.S. equities setting up for a retest of the bear market lows? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Mark Ritchie II of Minervini Private Access, who says an epic showdown is brewing between the bulls and the bears. It certainly feels like that. Hi, Mark. Hi, Maggie. Thanks for having me back. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. And, you know, I, I feel like a little bit of that is peeking out because we had the sell-off Friday. It was ugly into the close. Today was a little quiet. Looks like looked like U.S. stocks were trying to recover, but you saw selling really just at the very end of the close here. The Nasdaq looking like it's down 1%, the Dow down half a percent. Certainly not what we saw on Friday, but, you know, you do feel like there's this kind of coiled spring here and we've got some data coming out and then an expectation that everyone's going to be plugged back in um, come September. So how do you see this battle playing out? Really good question. Uh, where would you like me to start? Sort of yeah, the, I know. Except that it's going to be painful. Right. So, so if you if you look at um, what what's transpired, say, since the those lows in late June, it's it's been a classic bear market type rally. However, there you know, there's been some nuances to it. So uh, this really sucked a lot of people in. Uh, and, and we actually saw a few groups, say, within individual stocks and a number of things that look constructive. I would not have, and I've been saying this a little bit on Twitter, I've not thrown caution to the wind to be chasing or buying this rally. And Friday really showed why. Uh, and a couple of key points. One would be, and I tweeted about this, uh, I think maybe two weeks ago. If you study historical uh, bear markets, every single one has a market that has kept the lid on it by the 200-day declining moving average. In every one of those scenarios, what you had is the declining 200-day moving average keeps the lid on these bear market rallies. And so I gave the example of the 01 to 03, 07 to 09. And if you look at what happened in the last week, uh, two weeks, two weeks ago, really, what happened was we came right above the 200 in the Dow, came right to it in the small caps in the Russell 2000, and then the rally failed. Hmm. So now we've come back down. And even today, we, we tested now the intermediate term average of the 50-day has sort of turned up. So for the first three months of this bear market, everything looked terrible, meaning 
from really January to March, the, the market couldn't even retake its own 50 day, which is which is also pretty classic. And everybody, including sentiment, got really bearish. Then we come into June and some of these sentiment measures, I've mentioned this a few times, they got really bearish. Positioning got really bearish. So the, the bears got kind of caught over their skis a little bit. This was a short covering rally. Now we're pulling back. And I've been skeptical that this was going to be a V bottom. What I mean by that is sort of what we saw in 2020, where the market just rocketed higher off the lows and left everybody in the dust. Well, now we've pulled back seven, eight percent in three sessions. Uh, and a lot anybody who, like I said, who chased is now underwater and feeling a whole bunch of pain. So what I would expect if you're if you're bearish. Last the, the highs of the highs of two weeks ago on 816, that's a key level to watch. The bears have to hold that, in my opinion, at least on a closing basis, say for a week, on, on a weekly close. Because again, studying past precedents, once the 200 turns down and the market retests, that is what kind of keeps the pressure on the market pushing lower. Now, add the Fed comments from Friday when Fed Powell. Chair Powell uses the words like, uh, you know, forcefully until we get the job done. Uh, and today, Kashkari came out and said he was encouraged by Friday's price action, which is suggestive to me that the Fed is, at least they're saying that we are going to be, you know, aggressively almost standing on over top of the market in, in the near term, say, to get inflation under control. Well, the bears have everything they want in terms of that type of language. If if you believe like I do, don't fight the Fed. And the Fed is saying we are going to be forceful in terms of continued hikes. You know, this is set up for some dicey price action in terms of especially going into September, which is seasonally pretty iffy. I'm not a big believer in, you know, just trading off of seasonality, but, you know, historical norms are there for a reason. So you you should be awful careful. And now uh, earnings season is pretty much over. There's not a lot of uh, bullish drivers in the near term that I'm seeing. But this is where you want to be paying attention. So if the bears can't push things back to the lows, that potentially tells me that some of this is already in the market, meaning that the worst of the hikes in terms of the economic impact or this recession. Everybody seems to be talking recession now. Uh, it's It seems like the most obvious telegraphed recession I've seen. Well, that tells me if the market fools the majority, either it's potentially priced in or it's going to be really bad. Uh, and you know this economy and the market is going to go meaningfully lower. So those are, those are sort of right off the top two things I'd be looking for mm. in, in terms of if the bears, you know, when you get everything you want and you can't get the or the, the news you think you want and you can't get the price action to corroborate, it just it just says that that's already priced in. And so I would if I if I was bullish and and the scenario for bulls is looking at and intervening private access. We've been looking at a couple of different bottoming uh, historical precedents, 1990 and 1962. This is sort of to give the bulls something to really watch for and what I'm watching for is in both of those scenarios, you had recession potentially coming uh, and you had a strong rally off the lows. But it, when that rally petered out, things pulled back, but it took four to eight weeks for the market to kind of digest that run, 
pullback, things look scary. Everybody starting to, you know, tilt negative, sentiment getting negative, and then the market doesn't make those new lows, mm. catches a lot of people offside, and then starts to move higher. So I'm, I've made this point before a few times on Real, on Real Vision, and I think the last time I was on with Ash, we were talking about this in terms of, let's just assume we're going to have a recession. Let's yeah, say yeah. that's baked, baked in the cake. The market historically bottoms three to six months ahead of the economy. So is it possible that the market could bottom in the beginning of Q4? If the economy is going to bottom somewhere in December to March, it's very possible. And I think a lot of people are not, they're not going to be ready for that. So it's something you want to just, this is where you want to have an eye on the real price action, especially if we get a bunch of bad data, bad news, bad price action. And there's a number of really smart people on the fundamental side that are saying in the next four to six weeks, we might see some bad economic slowing, continued bad economic slowing. We've already seen some uh, you know, over the last you know, four weeks due, due to the tightening in financial conditions. So I'm saying we have a scenario where it could be uh, 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 some headaches or head fakes, excuse me, back and forth. And I think just given the fact that liquidity has been low, it's been poor, it would not surprise me if the trading is choppy or if we're not just in maybe a bit of a broader range. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you're a bear, I, I would say you want to see, you know, a retest of the lows probably rather soon. Uh, and then weak rallies. So, and then giving a couple of technical points. We had an 11 to one uh, down day in terms of selling pressure on volume on Friday. We haven't seen any of that really since June. And that is, you know, the equivalent of the wet blanket kind of being thrown over the top of you uh, in terms of selling pressure. The the bad news for the bulls there was we also didn't really even have above average volume overall. So coming into the fall, to your point before, as everybody's coming back, you know, from those longer summers or this type of thing, if the institutions really start showing up and selling in mass, uh, I think a new lows or at least a retest is probably a layup. And again, that's where the bears, I think, would want to see things meaningfully press into new low territory. Now I can get into a couple of like the specific groups. I, I want, yeah, you know what, Mark? I want to jump in here because I I just want to underscore something that I think that you said that was interesting and really important. And and I know this is why you watch the levels and and why we're talking about it because you know it does feel like this is you know a, a sort of a make or break time and it's going to determine what happens. But you when you said sort of all everything's lined up for the bears. You know, it's almost like a court case. Like you have everything you need and you can't get the verdict. That's really important, isn't it? Like that's that's super interesting to me that you said that because you know, we do at recessions everywhere. We're feeling it. The Fed could not be more aggressive. I mean, everything's lined up. So this is why that level is super important to you, right? Because you're not going to get agnostic about I mean, you're not going to you know, the, you could believe the narrative and think things are horrible, but if it doesn't break that level, that's problematic for the bear case, right? Well, absolutely. That's my, that's sort of the, the point. You know, it's the classic, you, I hear these questions all the time, you know, XYZ company, they smashed earnings and they sold the stock off. Well, it was already in the price. Right. Uh, and sometimes we don't know till after the fact, but I'm saying in terms of what the, what the bears would really want to see, 
is yes, they just they just got the Fed saying we are not pivoting uh, at least anytime soon. Now, <laughs> of course, again, if you're bullish, and there are a lot of bulls I know that are saying, yeah, the Fed has said this before in October of 18, the famous were were far from neutral, and then two months later, yeah. they, they changed their mind. And I am certainly open-minded to the fact that if the data gets bad, the Fed will at some point change their mind. The question is when, and will they just go on pause versus say back to QE? So yeah. I that's the big am- that's the big question because they have said they're data dependent. They've also they said they're serious. We're not, you know, we're, we're serious about fighting inflation, but they also say they're data dependent. So does this make the inflation data really key here? Because if we start to see that, well, move for me, lower, I, I, yeah, I would be more in term in in tune with. I think some of the inflation data is potentially lagging, which some a number of yeah. you know folks that we you've seen in Real Vision, you know, have been trying to make that point. Uh, I think that yes, that's part of it, and some of the the economic data. If it's true that the Fed is really more focused on employment than anything else, again, I think this is potentially a short-term bearish driver because it means even if the economic data softens, and my view is often it's, listen, employment is the last thing to go. That's mm-hmm. normally near the end of, of the down move. You know, And the classic situation is late 08, early 09. If you look at by the time we were losing half a million jobs a month, that bear market was pretty much over. Yeah, small it, problem. It, that's right. It's it's the lagging indicator. The small problem was we were down forty percent at that point. You yeah. know, so if yeah. you waited till then to raise cash, you you did it at the absolute worst time. So if that's what the Fed is waiting for to potentially pivot, then it, we got more to go probably on the downside. To your point, though, before, which was well articulated, it's, listen, the narrative and the news and all that is great, but if the price action doesn't corroborate it, the market is forward-looking. And that was really the point I was trying to make about the bottom and and also just in keeping an open mind. For me as a general contrarian, the best setup here in the near term, meaning if you were to say, what is Christmas come early, uh, you know, in our office, I would say that we either continue to pull back or maybe we even retest the lows where we undercut or get near the lows and everybody gets end of the world bearish. Mm-hmm. Similarly, where they're caught offside, that kind of thing. And the market puts even some type of a rally or maybe even more powerful of a rally off the lows than we saw in late June, because then everybody's going to be potentially scratching their heads, caught offside. I thought you know, the economy's rolling over. How in the world is this market bottoming? Again, the market's looking three to six months out. The market will potentially be signaling, at least in the short run, that the worst is past us. There's another scenario, though, too, where we could just stay in one of these sort of secular larger ranges where, yeah. we, don't make, where we don't make new highs. If you study the period, say, from 1970 to 1980, you had a number of these strong, what some people would even argue, cyclical bulls and cyclical bears that just wore a lot of people out. Well, we had a small microcosm of this in the last, really the last three or four months. You know, we yeah, went down yeah. double digits. Now we've come back double digits. Now we've, we've pulled back. Unless you've been very nimble and in certain, you know, taking a very trading type mentality, it has been very difficult uh, to find good places to make, say, consistent yield or returns this year. 
Yeah, it's gut wrenching, but you're essentially not going anywhere. Yeah, it's just you know. Yeah, I often say markets have a way of correcting or wearing people out either through time or price or both. And this has been a good uh, example of the or both, you know, scenario this year. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Absolutely. So David Marlin tweeted something out, something interesting out today that caught our eye. Um, and he said, We're witnessing the deepest 210 yield curve inversion in over 20 years, deeper than 08. An inverted yield curve has historically signaled uh, that or led to some type of break in the system. Is that something that you worry about. And if that is such a, if that's a risk, why aren't we seeing the VIX higher? <laughs> Great. Two, two points here. Let's, so let's talk about the, the two tens and that's something that we watch as well. I don't think it's the greatest timing indicator. And even those that watch it would, would generally say this is more of like an environment signal than a sort of short-term what's the weather today signal. Uh, however, my view would be that these inversions are, they're sort of a yeah preemptive strike to say, look, the market is not healthy and a recession isn't here yet. It's, it's coming. Uh, and my, the biggest risk there is really on the credit side in terms of the credit market. So, and if, if the bears really want to push things lower, this is, probably one of the trumpet calls or, or siren sounds, siren calls, if you will, that makes sense to me in terms of that something is going to break in, in the credit markets. Because uh, financial conditions have gotten so tight and liquidity, the Fed is sucking liquidity out of the system that eventually something's going to break. Mm. I don't think any of that is potentially priced in the market. And mm. is it perhaps already happening? You know, maybe you're going to see, you know, certain bond auctions, you know, whether it's you know, in private bond markets or, or, you know, go really poorly or, or certain bond markets start to go very low bid or no bid, then I think it will start to signal there's a problem. Uh, you know, one of the other, uh, you know, sort of bearish drivers, I think, or at least very imminent based on some of the things on Real Vision, I think people should be aware of because there's been some folks calling for continued potential dollar strength, but specifically maybe a depegging of of one of the Chinese currencies, whether it's Hong Kong or the CNY, if one if one of those events happens, like that will be a global risk off event, most likely. That's not priced in. Credit blowups not priced in. So the twos tens would just tell me that you know the risk of those type of scenarios, at least the twos tens to say in in, in the credit markets, mm. you know, is is much more elevated. Now to your point about the VIX, everybody's been saying. You know, when are we going to get this move to 40 or 50 or that real classic kind of volatility, you know, purge, you know, puke on the one side and a spike on the other where everybody just sells positions, runs for cover. We haven't really seen that all year. So I would say the VIX is almost doing exactly what it's done, which is just frustrating people all year. 
if you've been, you know, hoping that your volatility hedges were going to sort of protect your portfolio, it's been it's been pretty tough sledding there. And you know, I made this point before. Uh, there hasn't been many places to hide this year. Yeah, volatility yeah. hasn't done it. Precious metals hasn't done it. Bonds has been even worse. Terrible. It's so it's cash has been one of the only places. And obviously, you know, I, I'm. I'm saying for now, I think at least, you know, some levels of cash is still warranted. So we have a great couple of questions, but it's kind of a a conversation coming from um, in the 310 from the RV site. And I just want to read them because I think this is what a lot of people are grappling with, Mark. And it's perfect for the conversation we're having right now. Um, They write at Mark. Are we not already in recession? We touched on that, but this is the the part that struck me. Fearing the new low territory and feeling like a fool to not sell all mid-August. Why is this hike different than the others? Previously, market rallied momentarily. This time, there's blood on the street. And I think that's referring to, you know, there was this sense that the Fed was going to get it. They're on top of inflation, going to get it over with. And it was going to be sort of sharp, you know, quick and shallow, I guess. And, you know, we were going to be able to move forward and then and then the pivot would come. It feels like there is a kind of a a different sentiment going on this time. What do you make of that? And this is the problem of you mentioned it getting sucked into those bear market rallies. Well, and part of it's, you know, there's a there's a large psychological pull to this. You know, people, when markets start to move and and they're sitting on the sideline, what's the natural sort of response. I got to get involved. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's, I've made that mistake myself many times. So I, I know how that feels. Uh, and I think because in July, you know, we had a number of what looked like sort of, you know, we had a higher than uh, expected CPI and the market didn't really make, make meaningful lows. And the Fed went 75 again, and the market actually kind of started to rally. Uh, and then they used what looked like maybe, yeah, that data dependent type of language, mm-hmm. which I think was sort of fair. And I think there are a number of people raising their eyebrows at Friday's language going, wait a second, how does this square with what exactly what he said in July? And is the Fed just trying to, are they trying to walk the tightrope for, you know, the soft landing where it looked like July, they were more headed for the soft landing. Whereas in Friday, they were saying, yeah. we don't care. We're, we're taking inflation all the way back to where it was in 2019. Uh, the, the biggest change in character in terms of what I would advise folks that have gotten long is if you got long in some areas and those positions are working, you potentially stick, try and stick with them. Uh, and the thing you want to avoid, again, this is on the, on the bullish side is focusing on old leadership. Uh, I've made this point a lot, but going to continue to make it because everybody loves to look at, well, what was the hot stock of the last time or what's been beaten down the most? And I'm saying you want to look at it the other way. The market is smarter than all of us. Uh, At least that's always my default position to say, let the market tell you where the strength is and see if that holds up. So thus far this year, when we've had these rallies off the lows, anything that kind of led then rolled over. Well, in this and in this last move, the last eight weeks, the three group, groups I'm watching are biotech, uh, some semiconductors, uh, and then solar's sort of in that green energy space. That one makes a lot of sense, uh, just based upon where energy is and that type of thing. Semis, because you know, again, we can we can get into the fundamental narratives, but I'm more interested as this market pulls back if those 
If those groups just roll over and come crashing back down, that would tell me there's no leadership in this market. Mm-hmm. And anybody that sort of follows the type of work we do at Minervini Private Access and, and you know myself and how I like to trade invest, I'm looking for those pockets of strength. I'm not trying to predetermine them, I'm trying to say, let the market show me. So even if this market pulls back, and even if we make new lows, you want to be looking at the areas, what areas buck that, that, that pull of the market. So let's say it's, it's the green energy area. If it, if it only pulls back, say, moderately, the market goes to new lows and it just sort of incrementally makes lower highs, that's bullish. You want to, that's an area you want to be looking for then when we subsequently turn around and go back higher. And the same would go for the other groups I mentioned. So again, it's sort of taking, those are the three areas though I would be keenly focused on, especially if you're looking for places to potentially put capital to work, thinking that we're either bottoming or in the bottoming process. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and another and another great thing to watch, because if they don't, then that's an indication that we're getting that sort of wipeout capitulation that nobody wants to touch anything. We have a couple of questions. We we, we touched on it with the peg to watch out for. That's not priced in the market. Um, but a couple of people, Bobby um, and Half, both asking about the dollar. Um, do you think, do you see the dollar continuing to strengthen? Well, if you look at the chart, uh, you know, I'm always want to. I always want to look there first. Trend looks very strong and intact, and obviously, there's some really smart uh, people saying, you know, the euro could trade well below parity. Those type of things. So the short answer would be, don't fight the trend. And so long as the Fed is saying we're going to be aggressive, I can't see why you you should be a meaningful dollar bear at this point. Uh, I also think that, you know, the this dollar strength incrementally from here is just going to be more painful. So, you know, people call it the dollar wrecking ball. Well, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. Uh, so I, I would not be, you know, I'd be watching it closely is what I'm saying. And, and more so I would think further large moves higher in the dollar will probably be coincident with moves lower in equities uh, and sort of that dollar pain trade you know, causing risk off and sort of potentially breaking things, you know, around the world. Yeah. Is it, it's, you know, I, I, I think for, uh, for people who are listening to this, Mark, it's hard right now, uh, to keep an open mind. I mean, you have convincing arguments on both sides and I know you're trying to let the market lead You're right. You're looking for these either sentiment or, or levels, um, as sort of confirmation of which side's got the upper hand, whether it's the bulls or the bears. Can you do that without having a narrative? You know, like, do you just strictly look at the price action or do you have to have an opinion on the nature of this recession or the how aggressive the Fed will be in order to, to position for this? Well, the short answer is I, I always try and keep an, an open mind, you know, in terms of, uh, Flexibility, I think, is is a manager's, you know, gr- one of your greatest assets or greatest tools. 
and and to not get married to any narrative. So there's nothing wrong with having a strong opinion. Occasionally, I have very strong opinions, but then I I want to see them corroborated by the price action. So I often say too, I want to lose my opinion faster than I lose my money. It's uh, <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> so let, let's let's say, like I said, hypothetically speaking, if if this either looking at some of these past precedents. And some of this is it's just the nature of the way price action works. So let's talking about it's kind of wearing people out. Well, if let's say a lot of people have already done the majority of the selling uh, and and we're not going to have a nasty 08, 09 type recession, I think you have to be very open minded to the fact, even in terms of some cyclical work, that a bottom either in early Q4 is is highly probable. Um, especially again, it's very hard for people to go, well, the market is looking five months ahead of the economy. It, that, you know, when, when the economy looks terrible like that, you have to keep that in mind. So, and this is where, you know, a confluence of a number of things is important, but the biggest thing is what are the institutions doing? The institutions are what drive the market. Uh, you know, I, Smaller, you know, funds, shops like ours, even large spec traders, they can move the market for hours to days, but they are not going to provide that pervasive bid and support under assets. And that's really what we've been missing. You know, and when you looked at Friday's price action, it was upper left to lower right, almost like a bidless tape all day. And we didn't even have above average volume, Maggie. That's kind of where I was saying, yeah. if, if the volume really starts to pick up and we have that little of a bid, things could go lower very quickly. However, this is where, like I'm saying, the proof's in the pudding. So you kind of have a few scenarios to watch for. The biggest thing, though, you know, is, like I said, leadership. The leadership goes, get out of Dodge. I'm far more interested now than I even was, say, in March, because it looks like we have a little bit of leadership mm -hmm. or or the semblance of some where early on, everything just had all these broken charts and there was sort of no signs of you know, it was just a function of where's liquidity going to take markets. And I'm saying we could easily get into another scenario like that. But, you know, the other thing is, if we get a strong breadth thrust, I will always heed that. Well, we had a negative breadth thrust Friday, not a, not a massively negative one, but 10 to one plus volume selling days. That is institutional selling. Mm -hmm. Those are your elephants getting out of the bathtub. If they start getting back in the bathtub when the water level has to rise, uh, you know, we see these perpetual type bids. We didn't really get either a significant breadth thrust that I'd like to see. I've shared those before. One is 90% of all stocks trading above their intermediate term average. That's a big one. The other one is advanced decline on average of a 10-day average of two to one, which it's sort of like that. It's the RPM on your car hitting the red line. We ha we've had a minor red line going the other way right now. So I'm saying those are two things to watch for in either direction. Uh, but specifically on the bullish side, that will force me to get involved. Uh, regardless of my opinion, because that's those are big boys putting money to work. And right now, like I said, it, we're kind of going we're kind of going in reverse uh, for the for the short run, at least. So you need to heed that caution sign. Yeah. 
That's great. Really quickly, are are you are you watching bonds at all? Um, I mean, we talked about the inverted yield curve, but are you do do you you know do you expect to see the ten year keep moving up? How do you, how do you see bonds playing out? Are you concentrated on equities? Concentrated more on equities, but I think you know if if the ten year resumes the trend, you know, ten years been been sort of range bound here. I mean, really, the whole curve kind of has been in terms of. We haven't made you know meaningfully new lows in price, highs in yield, you know, depending which one you're looking at, mm-hmm. uh, in several months. But you know, if if that starts to revert back to what we saw, say in the first four or five months of the year, that's also going to put pressure on equities. I think you'll see those things move coincident with each other, and that will be the signal that you know everybody who said the Fed's done between two and a half and three and a half were dead wrong. And maybe they really are going to say five, uh, you know, before they're really done. And yeah, I think you'll see at least uh, some type of risk off move in in risk assets. And they're correlated, right? We're going to see the same as we saw before crypto, you know, meme equity, all all the risk assets move lower. Yeah, well, crypto is still an avoid to me. Uh, And the high look, if you look at the highest sort of, you know, risk alpha type momentum trade groups, whether it's equities or crypto, still have not traded well. They just, you know, everything in that, in, in the equity land that was trading on either the promise of future earnings or promise of future sales that didn't have anything on the table got cracked really hard. All of the crypto names, you know, they look like things that have broken hard and just kind of marked time. Some have traded a little better. Uh, I'm, I, you know, not a fundamentalist on that side. I know there's the Ethereum merge and other things coming. I would be looking for that same type of strong price action that we even we, in my mind, we had a stronger price action in equities than we really did in crypto coming off the lows, which would tell me those are still in a void for now. I want to see some potential firepower coming back in on the long side uh, before you know I really get interested in, in that area again. That's fantastic. Uh, Mark, this has been so helpful for people, I think, because um, people are confused. They can't decide. Maybe they don't even know which camp they're in. But you gave us some things to think about, which, if I'm hearing you, is don't fight the Fed. Don't fight the trend. The market is going to lead. And when you're trying to figure out if the bears or the bulls are going to come out for equities, watch leadership, watch the ability to retest and go below the June lows. And then keep an eye out for some sort of financial stress like the break of, of the yuan or Hong Kong dollar peg. Is that yeah, a good summary? That's a great summary. The last, you know, one other thing, potential bullish driver, which we've mentioned, I think, in the past, might be the election. Markets like gridlock. Uh, so if we do get some type of a, a gridlock, at least uh, you won't have to discount political risk going forward because there won't be any probably unexpected curveballs coming. Uh, and I'm not making political statements. I'm just looking at the past precedents there. Uh, if there's a large red wave, I've talked about this before, I would look at 82, 94, and 2010. Say, so look at the the price action, say, around, you know, prior to and after November. Those are generally at least cyclically bullish in the short run. Mm. And don't be afraid of cash, right? Say it, been saying that for a year, Maggie. So You have yeah. been, and uh, you've been right because everything's everything was smoked. So you want to keep your powder dry so that when, you know, we do get some clarity, you can, you can put it to work, right? Absolutely. 
Mark, great to catch up with you. Thank you so much. Let's try to relax for these last few days of August if we can, because I think September is going to be crazy. Wonderful. Thanks for having me, Maggie. Thanks so much. Thanks to all of you for the great questions. We will be back same time tomorrow. I'm going to be here with Tony Greer. So be sure to tune in. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.